to the Redemption Podcast. We hope you're blessed by today's message. That we read last week, I just hope to bring something out of it that you've never seen before. Anybody enjoyed the series that we've been in, Storms? In part one of this series, I told you storms are inevitable, but they're not pointless. In part two, I told you every storm is temporary, so stay stable. And that brings us to part three. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. If you have it, say amen. It says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. Notice that the wise man didn't place the rock. He just discovered it and built on it. The wise man didn't put the rock there. He just dug down deep, found it, and built on it. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house. And it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be like a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that you help me to minister this message, tailor it, make it specific and intimate to every individual under the sound of my voice. Empower, enable, strengthen me to deliver this message as you have delivered it to me. Lord, I take no ownership or authorship or credit because I know that every good and perfect gift comes from above. Lord, we give you all the honor, all the glory, all the praise, all the acknowledgement. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I want to preach for a few minutes from the subject storms, part three. In that passage of scripture that I just read, the wise man's house survived the storm, but the foolish man's house didn't. Why? It wasn't because of what either man built. Both men built a house. Both men had works. Both men had accomplishments. Both men had successes. Both men had talents and gifts. So why did the wise man's house survive the storm and the foolish man's house didn't? Look back at verses 24 and 25. The answer is right there for us to see. It says, therefore, whosoever heareth these things of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not. Why didn't it fall? For it was founded upon a rock. The wise man's house did not fall because it was founded upon a rock. It wasn't because the walls were reinforced with steel. 
It wasn't because the windows were made of plexiglass. It wasn't because of the beams of the roof. It wasn't because of the structure or the design. It was because it was founded upon a rock. So the secret to surviving the storms of life is just to figure out what the rock in this parable represents and build our life upon it. So what is the rock? I'm so glad you asked. Isaiah 28, 16. It says this, Therefore, thus says the Lord God. God is speaking and he says, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone. A tested stone. Remember, the wise man didn't place the rock. He just discovered it and built on it. God says, I am laying in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a costly cornerstone for the foundation. Firmly placed. He who believes in it will not be disturbed. This verse says God has placed a stone to serve as the foundation to all those who believe. What is that stone? The hymnist said it this way, My hope is built on nothing less but Jesus Christ, my righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Saying, Jesus is the tested stone. Jesus is the cornerstone. Jesus is the stone that God has provided for us to build on. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whomsoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Who is the rock? Come on, you got to do it more emphatically than that. Who is the rock? Jesus. I didn't plan that either. Since we'll take just a moment now. Fix this. This is live action right here. Live action. Jesus is the rock. Since Jesus is the rock, the main thing that I want you to understand in this passage of Scripture is that it's not about what you build. It's about what you build on. Since Jesus is the rock, it's not about what you build. It's about what you build on. The only difference between the wise man's house and the foolish man's house was the rock. In the same way, the only difference between those that are saved and those that are lost, the only difference between believers and unbelievers, the only difference between the righteous and the sinful is the rock. The only difference between those who survive the storm and those who collapse during the storm is the rock. 
You're not going to survive this storm because of your hard work. You're not going to survive this storm because of your holiness. You're not going to survive this storm because of your talents and gifts. You're not going to survive this storm because of your creativity. You're not going to survive this storm because of your resourcefulness. You're not going to survive this storm because of what you can do. Stop trying to plan it out and work it out and figure it out because this is not about what you can do. It's about what Jesus has already done. It's not about what you build. It's about what you build on. So it's more about your connection than your construction. It's more about your connection than your construction. The wise man's house survived the storm because it was founded upon a rock. It was more about what he was connected to than what he was able to do in himself. So the most important thing you need to be doing during the storm is the work of God. That sounds nice. What is the work of God? I'm so glad you asked. You want to know what the work of God is? It's John 6, 29. There's the answer. Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he hath sent. What do you need to be doing during the storm? You need to be believing in Jesus. Believing that Jesus is going to make a way where there seemed to be no way. Believing that Jesus is going to heal you. Believing that Jesus is going to deliver you. Believing that Jesus is going to rescue you. Believing that Jesus is going to raise you up. That Jesus is going to give you victory. This is not about you. It's not about what you can do. It's about what Jesus has already done. Some of you are driving yourself crazy, trying to make it work yourself, trying to figure it out yourself, trying to plan it out yourself, when all you need to do is stand still and believe that Jesus is going to show up for you. How many of you believe that Jesus is going to show up in six days in your situation? So what you need to be doing during the storm is believing in Jesus. What you need to be doing during the storm is staying connected. It's more about your connection than your construction, so you got to stay connected. This means your personal relationship with Jesus Christ should matter more than anything else in your life. This means... Your personal relationship with Jesus Christ should be more important than your ministry. Your personal relationship with Jesus Christ should be more important than your career. Your personal relationship with Jesus Christ should be more important than the money you're trying to make or the degree you're trying to earn. What's that mean, Pastor? It means you should stop neglecting your prayer time in order to prepare a message because you'll preach more anointedly if you're in your prayer closet than if you're trying to do it through your own intellect anyway. You should never neglect your prayer time in order to learn a new song. 
You should never neglect your study time in order to take an extra shift. You should never neglect your study time in order to earn your degree. Your relationship with Jesus Christ has to come first. I'm not saying you can't do all of those other things. I'm saying this has to take precedent in your life because the only reason you're going to come out of this, the only reason that your marriage is going to be repaired, the only reason that you're going to be healed, the only reason you're going to be raised up, is because of what you're connected to. So you got to stay connected no matter what it looks like or seems like or feels like, no matter what the enemy brings against you, no matter what you're facing, no matter what obstacles are in your way, you got to stay connected. Whatever you do, don't lose your connection. And I want to give you two reasons why. You got to make sure you don't lose your connection. Number one, don't lose your connection because of a, a lack of connection always comes before a collapse. A lack of connection always comes before a collapse. In Matthew chapter 14, Jesus told the disciples to get on a ship and to set sail for the other side. They did exactly what Jesus told them to do and they sailed directly into the worst storm that they had ever experienced in their life. The Bible says the wind was contrary. The waves were enormous. It was the darkest part of the night and the rain was relentlessly pouring down upon them. They all came to the conclusion that they were going to die. They all came to the conclusion that they were going to perish, that this wasn't going to end good, that they wouldn't make it out. But in that moment, they saw a shadowy figure approaching them in the distance. At first, they're fearful. But then Jesus speaks, and because they know his voice, the moment he speaks, they identify who it is approaching them. The moment Jesus speaks, all of their fear and anxiety and worry is alleviated. They know if Jesus is here, it's going to be all right. If Jesus is here, it's going to work out. If Jesus is here, we're going to make it. If Jesus is in it, he is going to perform a miracle in our lives, in our situation. Peter calls from the boat, Lord, if it's you, bid me come to you on the water. And Peter doesn't make a move until he hears Jesus call him. But the moment Jesus calls him, the moment Jesus says, come, Peter steps out of the boat. Come up here, Josh. Peter steps out of the boat. He is doing what no other man in history besides Jesus, has ever done. Peter's looking at Jesus, and he's walking on the water. He's looking at Jesus, and he's walking above what's trying to take him under. He's looking at Jesus, and he's unaffected by the chaos and the commotion and the turbulence going on all around him. He's looking at Jesus, and he's unaffected by the wind and the waves and the rain. But at a certain point, he looks away from Jesus. 
He looks at the waves. Fear grips his heart and he begins to sink. But what I don't want you to do is think that Peter began to sink because of fear or because of doubt or because of the waves. No, the reason Peter began to sink is because he broke his connection. He lost his connection. He was doing fine keeping his head above water while he was looking at Jesus. As long as he was connected to Jesus, nothing else in his life affected him the way that it should have. But when he broke that connection, all of a sudden he began to crumble and collapse. Anytime someone suffers a catastrophic collapse in their life, there was always first a loss of connection. Anytime someone has an affair, there was first a loss of connection. Anytime someone develops an addiction, there was first a loss of connection. Anytime someone denounces their faith in Christ, there was first a loss of connection. Anytime someone begins to lose it, crumble and collapse, there was first a loss of connection. If it's true that you can't collapse while connected to the rock, then it's also true that you have to disconnect before a collapse is even possible. Sure, you can say you're collapsing because of what's going on around you. You can blame it on financial strain, bad breaks, stress, conflict, or the people that hurt you. You can point to the conditions and say that it's overwhelming and it's too much to bear. You can justify sinking because of the storm you're in. But none of that changes the fact that the real issue is not the wind, it's not the waves, it's not the rain, it's that you've lost your connection. You don't pray anymore. You don't study anymore. You don't worship anymore. You don't show up to church on a regular basis. Your focus is on other things. And that's why you can't cope and you're on the verge of collapsing. It's not the storm that stopped you. You were doing fine keeping your head above water until you disconnected from the rock. A loss of connection always comes before a collapse. This is why the enemy will do anything and everything he can to weaken your connection to Christ. The enemy will discourage you trying to weaken your connection. He will tempt you, trying to weaken your connection. He will distract you, trying to weaken your connection. The enemy will do anything and everything he can to keep you from having a prayer life. The enemy will do anything and everything he can to keep you from studying. He'll do anything and everything he can to keep you from worshiping. He knows that he cannot cause a collapse in your life so long as you're connected to the rock. So in order to bring you to a more vulnerable position, he has to weaken your connection with Christ. So I came to tell you, all you got to do to survive the storm that you're in is stay connected to the rock don't lose your connection don't lose your connection because a lack of connection always comes before a collapse number two you're going to like this one don't lose your connection 
Because the only way you'll see the glory of God is if you're standing on the rock. You're clapping, but let me show it. Let me make it real plain. In Exodus chapter 33, Moses prayed and asked God, please show me your glory, which is fascinating to me because Moses had seen a lot. Moses had seen his staff turned into a serpent. Moses had seen water turned into blood. Moses had seen the plagues of frogs, the plagues of lice, the plagues of locusts, the plagues of darkness. Moses had seen the death angel kill all the firstborn in Egypt. Moses had seen the Red Sea parted and God's people walking across on dry land. Moses had seen Pharaoh's army drowned in the sea. Moses had seen bread fall from heaven. Moses had seen water come from a rock and yet he still was wasn't satisfied, wasn't content. He was still praying, God, I want to see more of your presence, more of your spirit, more of your anointing, more of your glory. Those that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. Your appetite dictates how much God gives to you. God is limitless. And because God is limitless, it is your appetite that determines how much of his presence, how much of his spirit, how much of his anointing, how much of his glory that you are filled with. So Moses said, please show me your glory. And God said, I'll show you my glory, but only if you're positioned correctly. I can't show you my glory where you are. You have to come to the right place. And that's what God's been doing in some of your lives, in some of your situations. God has been positioning you to see his glory. Everything you've been through, everything you've experienced, everything you've felt, everything you've tolerated, everything you've endured has all been God positioning you to demonstrate his glory in your life. God says, Moses, I'm going to show you my glory but only if you're standing in the right place. Exodus 33, 21. And the Lord said, here is a place by me, and you shall stand. You shall stand on the rock. Don't lose your connection, because the only way you'll see the glory of God in your life is if you're standing on the rock. God sent me here today to tell you that if you're standing on the rock, he's going to demonstrate his glory in three different ways. Number one, he's going to demonstrate his glory in that you're going to survive the storm that you're in. If you keep standing on the rock, you're going to be standing when all of this is over. When the dust settles and the storm clouds subside and the rain stops, you're going to still be Standing In spite of everything the enemy tried to do, in spite of every attack, in spite of all the opposition, you're going to still be standing. In spite of the odds, the obstacles, the statistics, you're going to still be standing. In spite of everything that you were up against, in spite of what the judge said,
said, in spite of what the banker said, in spite of what the lawyer said, in spite of all of it, you're going to still be standing. Let me go ahead and give you a prophetic word. Don't let the enemy make you sweat because when all of this is over, you're going to still be standing. Second way God's going to demonstrate his glory, he's bringing your house out too. It wasn't just the wise man that survived the storm. His house survived the storm. If you keep standing on the rock, not only are you going to come out, but your house is going to come out with you. What is my house, pastor? Your house is everyone connected to you. That's your children. That's your spouse. That's your parents, that's your aunts, that's your uncles, that's everyone that God has placed in your life. Everyone God has connected to you, that's your house. Your house is everything that God has enabled you to build. It's that ministry that God has enabled you to build what God has enabled you to succeed at in your career, it's going to survive this storm. What God has allowed you to accomplish in your life, it's going to survive this storm. So when you come out, you're not coming out by yourself. You're coming out with your entire house. You're coming out with those that you love, that love you. You're coming out with everything God has enabled you to build, everything that God has enabled you to accomplish, everything that God has enabled you to achieve. I'm going to keep standing on this rock and the entire church is going to survive this storm. I'm going to stand on this rock and everyone I love is going to survive this storm. God help me today because I'm going to switch mics again. Test, all right. Third way God's going to demonstrate his glory is he's going to make sure this storm contributes to your success. I know that some of you are in a place and you're thinking to yourself, how could this ever work out for me? How could this ever be good for me? How could this ever turn in my favor? But God has a way of taking what the enemy means for evil and use it for your good. God has a way of taking what feels like a curse and turning it into a blessing. God has a way of taking what the enemy meant to trip you up and using it as a stepping stone that will help you to reach a level that you have never attained in your life. God is gonna make sure this storm contributes to your success. All month long, the Lord has been moving on me to say, the rain from this storm has watered the harvest that you're about to reap. What's happened all through these last couple months, what's happened in your life, in your situation, in your struggle, in your circumstance, it's all gonna be better because this storm. 
Because God is going to multiply what he would have done. He's going to increase what he would have done. He's going to pour out more blessings, more anointing, more of his presence because of this storm that you've had to suffer through and put up with and tolerate and endure. God is going to make sure that the rain from this storm waters the harvest that you're about to reap. Did you know that the Old Testament says that when a thief is called, he has to pay sevenfold? You know that every time the enemy tries to attack you and destroy you, God uses it as an excuse to bless you in even a greater way than he was going to before. I love what it says in Exodus chapter 1. It says that the more Pharaoh afflicted God's people, the more they multiplied and grew. The more he put them down, the more God blessed them. The more he tried to destroy them, the more God blessed them. I know you don't feel it in this moment, but this storm is almost over and God has used this storm to usher you into what he's about to do in your life. I reckon the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to compare to the glory which shall be revealed in us. Amen? Come on up to the music. So if you're here today and you're lost, we all build a life, but we don't all build a stable life. Our life is only as stable as what it's built on. So if your life is not built on a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's not if you collapse, it's when you collapse. You know the saddest thing that I've ever found in Matthew chapter 7 is that the storm ended for both the wise man and the foolish man. The storm ended in both cases. But when the wise man opened his door and went out on his front porch, he seen that God had took care of everything that he had built and accomplished and achieved. But the wise man, when he walked out, he just seen ruin and devastation and destruction. I'm tired of starting over because I didn't stand on the rock. I'm tired of having to rebuild. I'm tired of having to restructure. I'm tired of having to do it all over again because the enemy convinced me to stop praying and stop studying and stop worshiping. The enemy convinced me that I didn't need to stay connected to the rock. And I lost everything. I had to build it back again. Listen, if you're here today and you're lost, Build your life on Jesus. And it's not that the storm won't come, it's that you'll come through it. It's not that you won't walk through the fire, it's that you won't be burnt. It's not that the enemy won't attack you, it's that every attack that he brings against you will accelerate you into your purpose. That's why Jesus could call Judas friend. He called Peter Satan and Judas friend. Because Peter tried to keep him from the cross. But when Judas kissed him on the cheek, Jesus knew that what the enemy meant for evil, God was using it for good. 
and that it was Judas's betrayal that actually brought him to the right place to fulfill his purpose. See, when you're built on a rock, I can't even get mad at anybody anymore because you can't hurt me without helping me. If you leave, you're supposed to leave. If you abandon me, you are supposed to abandon me. If you betrayed me, you are supposed to betray me. God doesn't get surprised by anything. He uses everything that happens in my life to position me for His glory, for His purpose, for His plan. I am right where I'm supposed to be. I feel this in my spirit. This ain't even my notes, but I feel this in my spirit. Some of you are acting like a victim of your circumstance because this one wasn't there for you and this one didn't do that for you and this one didn't support you and this one didn't encourage you. Stop it. God knows all things and sees all things. If they didn't help you, they weren't supposed to help you. If they didn't support you, they weren't supposed to support you. God is using everything you've went through and everything you've felt to position you in the right place to see His glory. Your mama wasn't there for you and and I can't even pretend to act like I know what that's like. But I know that God used what she didn't do for you and what she wasn't in your life to position you in a certain place. And although the event was not good, it was a negative thing in your life because he's seen it, because he anticipated it. He has used it to move you. He has used it to shape and mold you. You would not be the person you are today standing in the place that you're standing if it had not been for the Judases that kissed you on the cheek and sold you out and betrayed you. You may not even realize at this side of glory, but your enemies have done more to advance God's will in your life than your friends. So if you're lost, that's where I was at. If you're lost and you want that kind of security, you want that kind of confidence to where God's got you, you're in the palm of his hand, And you don't have to crumble. You don't have to collapse when things don't go the way you thought they would because you know who's in control even when it seems like things are out of control. If you want that in your life, I want you to come to this altar and confess your sins and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and receive the sacrifice that He has made on your behalf. Would you do that? If you're here today and you're saved, I want to tell you once more, it's not about what you build. It's about what you build on. It's more about your connection than your construction. So whatever you do, don't lose your connection because a loss of connection always comes before a collapse. Don't lose your connection because the only way you'll see the glory of God is if you're standing on the rock. And I feel like in six days, some of you are getting ready to see the glory of God. And so you can best believe that the enemy is going to do everything he can to weaken your connection in the upcoming days to make you feel hopeless and helpless, to make it feel like praying is pointless. But now you're going to know what he's trying to accomplish. He's trying to get you disconnected from the rock because he knows as long as you're standing on that solid rock foundation, he can't cause a collapse in your life. 
not because of how strong you are, but because of how strong the rock that you're standing on is. So if you're here today and you're lost, come. Come receive your salvation. If you're here today and you're saved, would you let Jesus encourage you today just to keep standing? You don't got to do nothing else. You don't got to figure it out. You don't got to plan it out, work it out, scheme it out. All you got to do is keep standing. And I believe, Lord, you're going to move. I believe you're going to work it out. I believe you're going to make a way. I believe you're going to heal my body. I believe you're going to save my children. I believe you're going to restore my marriage. I believe you're going to give me sanity of mind. I believe you're going to give me a, pay, a peace that passes all understanding. I believe, Lord. Thank you for listening to the Redemption Podcast. We hope you have enjoyed today's message. For more great messages, please subscribe on iTunes or Google Play Music and leave us a rating and review while you're there. For more information, please visit our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash redemptionky.